Lord, you've just shown us just incredible love, incredible worth, incredible value, Lord. And um, Lord, we just pray that tonight in heart of gratitude and a heart of worship, hearts of love, Lord, that you would just be glorified as some people share their testimonies tonight. And I know that they're just nervous, Lord, just take those nerves away. Just they're among family here, Lord. And we just pray that um, they'd just be making you famous tonight, Lord. There's nothing to be nervous in that when all sights are on the glory of God. And so we pray over Nikki, Lord. We pray over Troy and Tracy as they come to share your faithfulness uh, in their life and working through trials and, and conforming them into the image of the Son, Lord, just um, let your spirit speak through them in power. And Lord, I just even pray you'd touch our hearts and touch hearts of people that need to be comforted in those ways and, and need to be known. There's other people that have been consoled in those ways and um, that going through it, Lord, there's nothing, no temptation that's overtaken us except but those that are common to man. And um, that we'd just be encouraged that we're all in this together, um, just running, running this race together, God. We just worship you, Lord. Just our souls bless you and worship your holy name uh, in fellowship, in koinonia, in, um, in talking about you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have a couple testimonies. And before we do, um, just have a scripture to share that kind of goes in line with bragging about God. And, you know, that's really what we're doing when we share testimonies is just bragging about God. <laughs> you know, my God's big, you know. And um, and just so you know, these 242 Together nights are going to be uh, worship, some prayer. Some nights will have more testimonies than others. Some nights will have more prayer times corporately together than others. Um, but pray about if you're supposed to share your testimony. Maybe you as a husband and wife are to share your testimonies together and let your um, home group leader know. Come and let uh, one of the elders or myself know. And um, we're just going to, if you have a Bible with you, um, we're going to just turn to Malachi chapter three. We're just going to read three verses together. Oh, sweet. Do we have like King James version up there? I hope so. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, so Malachi three sixteen through 18 says, then they that feared Jehovah spake with one another, spoke with one another and Jehovah hearkened and heard and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared Jehovah and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith Jehovah of hosts, even mine own possession in the day that I make. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. That's fun. <laughs> I'd like to just roll with it, but you all know that's not how I normally talk. So, <laughs> Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him. And so this was just a verse that um, my buddy and I were reading as I spoke at a Lake Tahoe retreat a couple weeks ago. And we had this time where um, people were standing up and just sharing what God had done at the retreat in their heart. And um, my friend uh, Chris just had the Lord say, Malachi 3.16, he didn't even really know what it said. And he opened it up and it's this section dealing with people talking about their God. Just those that know the Lord spoke about him. And they just bragged about him. And it says there that the Lord wrote 
uh, in a book, just the things that they spoke and that he'd remember us. And, um, and so that's just awesome tonight as a couple people come to share. Um, we just know that the Lord just kind of like, <laughs> say more, say more, you know, uh, as we're making him big. And I think it's Peter that says that these are all things that angels desire to look into. I mean, the angels are just wowed that, that God, you know, and they saw the whole thing go down, you know, the whole fall and the whole, all of history. And they're just watching, they watch God take on flesh and become a man uh, to redeem this possession, to redeem this creation and purchase this possession. And they're just like, wow, what? kind of God is this, you know? So as we brag about the Lord tonight, let's brag well, and let's brag along with all the other people that are coming up here. So Nikki's going to start us out, and then Troy and Tracy are going to come up after her, and uh, Troy and Tracy, that's, you know, however you guys want it, uh, you can both come up. That'd be great. There'll be some stools up here, and we're just going to use these two microphones. So yeah, come on up. Well, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Nikki. Um, funny is I'm not usually nervous to get up and speak in front of you, but I guess when I'm talking about myself, I am quite nervous. Uh, I don't really have like a dramatic transformation to tell you about. I know some people can tell you these really incredible stories, um, but growing up, I didn't think mine was very um, important. And now that I'm older, I can see that my, my story is actually really important to me, and um, I hope that you um, get something from it. And <laughs> my past is quite confusing, so I'm going to try and keep it simple. <laughs> um, I was adopted when I was about two or three days old to my adopted mom named Mary Jo. Um, she was married to Dennis, who was an atheist, and they already had two boys, um, my brothers Randy and Toby. Toby was 10 and Randy was 9. So I was really little. <laughs> um, Mary Jo had a hysterectomy, so she couldn't have any kids, and that's why she adopted me. Um, she was with him until I was about 6 or 7, and then she divorced him and uh, married my the guy that I called dad, which is Lee. And... That first part of my life, I don't have a lot of memories from. Um, I know I was young, but from six or seven, I should have some memories, but I don't. And going to a counselor back then, I was told that it was just that I had blocked memories because they were too um, tragic or uh, whatever the words were. Um, when um, During that time, Dennis was... Uh, a really bad guy, and um, I'm not going to show you the gory details, but I was one of the children who were abused, and that's why I think that the psychiatrist thought I blocked it out. Uh, Lee, the guy I called my dad, he took us to church. He was a church-going fellow, and um, we started going to church, and I had learned that um, I wasn't blocking memories, but that at the time that I was having things happen to me, I was there physically, but I wasn't there mentally. The Lord took me away from that. Um, I know without a doubt in my mind that I was with Jesus at that time. Um, so I kind of just have, even though I was raised in an atheist family in the beginning, I've always had Jesus with me, totally, um, next to me by my side, and then I met him, finally. Uh, third grade, I was in the Good News Club at school, and that's where I accepted the Lord into my heart. And um, I grew up, you know, knowing about him, and 
learning about him. And then in high school, I began to want the worldly things that are in high school. And um, I did turn my back on him. Um, I did drink a lot and I smoked cigarettes, but I was never in a situation that I was um, had the chance to do drugs. When I was drinking, I was never in or around boys who would take advantage of me. So um, to this day, I know that the Lord was with me even then, pulling me from situations that could have occurred that didn't. Um, then when I was about 20, I met Johnny. And we did it a few times, but we um, didn't really work together until we were 21. Or I was 21. <laughs> he was much older. <laughs> um, and he was an alcoholic. Um, but when we got together, we both quit drinking totally. And he's been sober since, and so have I, but since he was alcoholic. But he's been sober for a long time now. Um, he proposed to me on an elk hunting trip just shortly after we got together. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we, were, we were living in sin. Um, I was going to church still, and I started going to church more um, when I met him. And uh, eventually John started coming to church with me. And my pastor back then, his name was Pastor Larry. He was such a great influence in my life, and John really respected him. And uh, Pastor Larry told us, if I'm going to marry you, you guys need to stop this. And so we did. Um, and we were married in May of 2000. Um, I can't say that it was, um, everything was perfect from then on, because I have a lot of insecurities. Um, I have always felt unwanted and not worthy. And I don't like to get close to people. Um, so we fought a lot because of my insecurities, but he fought for me. And he never left me when I know God brought him into my life because of that. Um, two years later, Malachi was born, and he was the first thing in my life that I knew loved me no matter what. Um, he was my blood. Being adopted, I didn't have any blood in my family, so Malachi was my blood. Um, I felt such a connection with him. It was just great. But he didn't come easy either. <laughs> he, um, they uh, took me in and induced labor, and for you ladies and men who have been with your wives, they um, had enough Pitocin in me to start your labor going that it could have started a horse into labor, but I wouldn't go. Um, and through the night, I would have just really t tiny, tiny contractions. And in the morning, after a really long night, John said, call the doctor. She needs to have a C-section. Um, someday you'll hear John's testimony, but the, the cool thing about John is that when God speaks to him, he hears him. And... In this time, God told him she needs a C-section, and um, my doctor came and checked. And when I was having those mild contractions, Malachi's heartbeat would go down every time. So she took him out, and I heard them say one, two, three. And what happened was his umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck three times really tight. And so when I had a contraction, it was killing him. So he came out, and he's perfectly healthy. Um, no issues or anything, and he's my miracle. And then we all went to church. We were, you know, a church-going family, and um, we kept making mistakes, of course. We're not very financially smart. <laughs> um, we've made a lot of mistakes with money, and we were in southern Oregon. That's where we're from, and we wanted to leave there. Many reasons, family, um, 
heat. I don't like the heat. <laughs> um, just lots of different reasons. And so we prayed about where to move to. And um, Pastor Ryan was the one pastor from different areas that we talked to that actually emailed us within a year a couple times and said, I'm praying for you. And then we just finally felt the Lord calling us here. And so we moved here. And it was not easy because we were very poor. I was working at Subway and John was trying to get a steady job. But we never went without. Um, there was a time we had to go get food from the food, the um, St. Vincent de Paul, <laughs> um, which was very humbling, but we never went without. Um, and then uh, a year later, John got some money from his job, and we paid off all our bills. We thought, this is great, and we went on vacation looking to move somewhere else. And um, John heard the Lord say, stay with the family that I gave you. So we stayed here. Um, sadly, we went into debt again. Um, again, we just, it's just something that we struggled with. And um, then this past year, we moved to take care of my adopted mom, Mary Jo. And I won't get into that story because that's another long one. But we moved to Montana with her. And then um, we ended up having to move back from Montana. And that was... Uh, the first time I fully understood what true submission was to your husband because I didn't want to leave, even though I know this, the situation was bad. But John said, we have to go. And I followed him. And we had no money or nothing. We had to borrow money. Our truck barely made it here. Um, thanks to the Gishes who let us stay with them. We got to stay with the Gishes. And then after that, just so many blessings happened to us. Um, Last November, if you guys remember, jobs were not easy to come by, and John got a job three days after we were here. Um, Malachi, was, uh, Malachi was accepted to the Christian school with a scholarship, and just being able to stay with the Gishes was just a huge blessing. And then from then on, things have just gotten a little bit better. Um, that This past year, I've actually been able to meet my biological family, um, my mom lives in Portland, and she told me she'd been praying for me since I was a baby. Um, my dad lives in Bend, <laughs> and they're, all of them are mostly Christians, so it's been pretty neat. Um, import, our family is important to me, if you can't tell. Um, but something that the Lord showed me this year is that it's not blood, and it's not people who like adopted mom and dad, but it's your church family. Um, Last spring, John and I went to Sandy to, I think it was spring, to meet my mom, my birth mom. And when we came home, we got stuck on that side of the mountain because our truck broke down. And it was a Sunday night. And I panicked at first. John was panicking. And I said, you know what? The Lord's going to take care of this. And I put a notice on Facebook because that's all I could do. And within that time, we had people asking to help us. Shelby was in Corvallis and offered to come get us. Um, Anthony and Kevin came on a Sunday night when they were with their families. They came in the middle of the night to get us with a trailer to tow our truck back. The Halversons um, prayed about it and tried to help us in any way they could. And out of the blue, in the middle of the night, Mark Halverson comes coming from Portland with food for us. So it was a huge experience for us to see how family is. And when we, when we thanked them, they said, you don't need to thank us, we're family. And that just hit me so hard. Um... But even with all these blessings, I have a lot of, I deal with a lot of depression. Uh, it seems like the more I get into the Lord, the more depressed I get. Um, I told John today, I felt like I have a war raging inside me. Um, but, and I, I've made a lot of mistakes, 
but he still continues to bless me and to provide for me. Um, something I learned was that I, that God chose me before the world was formed, knowing I would sin day in and day out and knowing that I would mess up time and time again and I would turn my back on him, but he still created me and he still chose me. And that has done a lot of my perspective of forgiveness and love. And he's done the same for you as well. Um, I had this belief in life that no matter what, God would always provide. And I think that comes from him just being with me. I have never really been a stressed out person. I just know that God's going to take care of me. And um, I believe that I've been given the gift of faith through that. Um, But like I was saying before, I do struggle with feeling unworthy and feeling um, accepted and feeling loved, um, feeling like people care or that I have a purpose. Um, but Jesus spoke to me this last summer, something that I wrote down on a sign. It's in my kitchen. If you come to my house, you can see it. And he said, my beloved, I have not just created you just to create you. You are not a number that is going to heaven. I created you the way you are for a purpose and a reason. You matter to me. I'm not just your father, but your creator. And I do not make mistakes. I love you, my child. And I needed to hear that because I did feel like that a lot. Um, So that's basically kind of the story of my life. Um, I pray that it speaks to you that God is big and nothing I have accomplished or have done has anything to do with me, but everything to do with him. Um, He's just been with me my whole entire life, um, even when I didn't know him. And I know that the enemy is fighting this war with me um, against him. But I know that God is bigger and we're going to get through this. Um, And I just want to thank you guys for being my church family because it has been such a huge blessing to me. And, um, oh, I did want to share with you my verse um, that has gotten us through since we moved to Prineville. It's Luke 12, 24. Um, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And that's the verse that has gotten me through just times where we were really broke. That's it. Um. So for those of you that don't know how the sermon gets up on the web every week, that would be Nikki coming in and with Malachi by her side, serving in that way. That's awesome. Uh, Nikki does the words a lot of times on the screens on Sunday and Wednesday, uh, and Wednesday night. Um, Nikki oversees the hospitality ministry in the church. And uh, we're just giving God glory here. We're bragging what God's done in Nikki. Um, and uh, she's faithful almost every week to be at the Pulse, uh, praying for our church specifically. And, uh, and also a couple times a month, she comes in with Malachi, always by her side, and uh, cleans the church. Uh, in fact, was in here this morning cleaning. So um, good friend in my life. Uh, the Wetzels are just becoming more and more good friends. So um, yeah, we're going to have uh, Troy and Tracy come on up, and I'm going to kind of have you both come up back. I thought it'd be better. And um, I'll kind of move these together so you're closer together. Um, we're both up here so that when I can't talk, she'll talk. When she can't talk, I'll interrupt or she'll interrupt me because we're married. You know how that is. Um, thankfully, 
by the way, we're Troy and Tracy Barrett, if you haven't met us before. Thankfully, Rory texted me at 6-something last night, and I didn't see the message till 9 last night, so I didn't have time to get nervous. Um, but uh, I, I told him that I probably could do this tonight. I wasn't sure, but I probably could do this. And then later the next morning, I woke up at 5 this morning, and I was praying, and I was like, I think God wants me to do this. Um, Tracy and <laughs> take a breather. <laughs> um, just to give a little background. Oh, sorry. No problem. No. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Um, so, anyways, I was born in Monterey, California, and I grew up there, lived there, and obviously until I moved to Oregon. But um, I'm the youngest of three kids. And my parents have always been in my life. My dad's a retired postmaster in Big Sur. And my mom was a retired um, high school registrar. She went to every school I, worked, I went to. So I never could get away with anything. She was always there. <laughs> um, she followed us. But um, so anyways, they retired. And actually, they live in Prineville now. They moved up here because they wanted to be near grandkids. And, and my dad's always wanted land so he said why not here but um just knowing um or just thinking about memories I've, i have some really good memories uh grew up with my whole family um my grandparents aunts and uncles we did holidays together it was just always good times um we were involved we went to the baptist church i've always been in a baptist church and I think I got baptized probably when I was like seven, seven or eight, and um, did the youth group. My parents were involved in every aspect. They were youth group leaders. They were deacons and deaconesses and all that good stuff and PTA. So it was just had the your normal childhood and um, just grew up doing everything. Um, I can talk again. Okay. It's okay. <laughs> As some of you know, I'm a real passionate person. And when I was, when I was a little kid, I be, became a diehard Steeler fan. And uh, that's one of my first memories as a, as a kid was sitting watching football with my dad. And, you know, my dad, um, my parents, my dad was a, a carpenter. My mom was a teacher. And I was born in Salem, uh, September 1970. Um, I'm not that old, just so you know. <laughs> 75. She, yeah. rem she reminds me of that often. Yes. Um, that's one of the greatest memories of my dad is just sitting there watching football. Now, he wasn't a, a Steeler fan necessarily, but people ask me how I became a fan, and I don't, I don't know. They just were winning so many championships, and I know that's hard to believe, but they were, and, and uh, I became a huge diehard fan. And so that was one of my best memories of my dad. My, my mom, on the other hand, she was a rock. I, I played soccer, I played basketball, I played uh, softball, because I was scared of baseball. And um, they didn't have UFC back then. And uh, anyway, I, I played three sports all the time, and my mom sat out there in Salem in the rain every single soccer game. You guys know as parents what that's like. 
and she, she froze, but she was at every single game that I went to. Um, my parents, uh, we would travel to Central Oregon, actually, and go to Lake Billy Chinook, pull a boat over the mountains and go camping, and we would uh, water ski, and I learned to water ski when I was six years old. Um, just had awesome, awesome memories until I was uh, about 12, and that's when my parents got divorced. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't tell you, my mom took me to a church from the time I was a baby. I was baptized in a Methodist church. Um, my dad never went to church with us, so... I struggled with that because dad was just never there. On my dad's behalf, um, his dad left him when he was age five. And my parents, and my grandparents would never tell us why. I'd come to find out, uh, my grandpa had spent most of his life in prison. And at doing some ancestry research, we found out he liked to rob banks. So... Um, a few, I think a few songs were made about him. He, um, my father, just to, uh, you know, my whole life has just never really been a part of my life. So as I grew up, um, my mom was both my father and my mother until she got remarried and she got married to my stepdad. But at age 12, 13, um, it's a tough time to take, you know, a father into your life. And so I, did, I denied that he was my father, uh, my stepdad, that is. And so I just, I was a rebellious teenager, like a lot of us teenagers. And I went to, um, I remember playing football in junior high, and uh, Tracy always gives me a hard time because seventh grade was the only year I played. I, I try and make it sound like I played all the way through high school. He does. And I was on the varsity team. There was only one team, but I was on the, <laughs> I was an outside linebacker. And um, my claim to fame is Josh, and I can't remember the guy's last name, and I, we were lined up, we killed this quarterback. I, I forced the fumble and got the fumble recovery. And I tell this story to the kids and make it sound like it was, you know, the Steelers or something. And <laughs> she reminds me I only played that year. But, but really, I, um, I, I, I was so mad. I was so angry with life and so mad at my parents that I wasn't really that naturally gifted at sports, but I, I guarantee you I am about as mentally tough as you can get when it comes to competing. And so uh, that's how I competed was just mentally. But a lot of my growing up became this anger, you know, and it came from how I was brought up. And so I only dealt with things with passion and, and emotion, as you can see. <laughs> um, Let's see. As you know, as I continued to grow up into um, my high school years, I, my parents moved. My mom and stepdad moved us over to Bend, and I went to Bend High, and um, I played soccer there. Played varsity my senior year, and I was involved in choir every year. I was the president of the choir department and um, got a full ride scholarship for singing. Um, I was able to travel around the world, and I was able to uh, sing in Ireland, and Denmark, and Sweden, and Norway, 
and it was just an amazing, amazing time. Um, that was just me trying to find myself, you know, as I was in high school. And, and at that point, we were going to a Lutheran church. You know, it started out, I was baptized as a baby in a Methodist church. And just really was trying to find myself as a young adult. Um, as in college, I decided, I had been a good high school student. But in college, I decided to do a lot of drinking and gained a lot of weight and drank a lot of beer. Um, and just dr- decided after a year and a half of college to drop out. And I, and I I'd been offered a full-ride scholarship to go to the University of Kansas to uh, go, go to their music program. And they promised me I'd be on uh, Broadway within a year or two. And uh, I gave it up. Um, I had other dreams, and so at that time, I, I actually had a passion for golf, and I decided I wanted to become a golf professional. I had these very big dreams, very big passions, and so um, I went after the golf thing for about four and a half years, and um, I tried everything I could to become a professional. I made it to the point where I was a seven handicap, and uh, I went to a PGA Tour uh, qualifier um, Missed making it as a pro by three strokes, and uh, a week <laughs> a week after that, I shattered my wrist. I meantime, I um, had been dating a, a young lady at that time, and uh, I kind of forget about this part of my life. But I was married at the age of 23 and divorced at the age of 23. So that that marriage lasted about seven months. And the wife that I had, she was 18, I was 23, and it just, you know, she hadn't grown up or done anything in life yet. And so um, I was really searching. You know, I I would do everything as passionately as I could, whether it was, uh, you know, my singing or whether it was uh, the golf that I did. And finally, after that, I was trying to figure out what to do with life, and so it became work. And so for the next 10 years, I pretty much dedicated my life and my identity really became my work. And I don't know if you men or some of you ladies can, re, you know, feel that comparison of, of making your identity there. But, you know, at the age, I decided by the age of 30, I was going to own my own, my first house. And so um, I made quite a bit of money in the cell phone industry, started in 1999, selling for Nextel. I was an outside salesperson that traveled all the time. And with traveling in outside sales, there's a lot of temptations. You're on the road all the time, and so there's a lot of places to go drinking. There's a lot of ladies to meet. And um, I wasn't the, uh, the, the best of persons. Um, I lusted after a lot of women and a lot of things in life at that time. And um, by the time I was meeting Tracy... I, the ten years had gone by. I had, you know, re- risen up to be a, a sales manager, a regional sales manager, where I traveled three states. During the day, I put on this light that I was this great business person. We became the number one sales team in all of Oregon for Nextel and U.S. Cellular, and accomplished all these goals and made lots of money. And um, but the thing is, is at nighttime, I was out at strip clubs. I was out at bars drinking. I was eating as much as I could. I was, trying to f- I was always trying to fulfill my flesh in some way, you guys. And if, if you can relate to that, I just want to tell you where I was at. Um, I had been transferred to Medford by the company I worked for. And I was living in Medford, Oregon. And 
I had Portland Trailblazer tickets. I had a BMW. I had a Mercedes. I owned a house in Bend. You know, I was really feeling like I was pretty, pretty special. And um, I would take girlfriends. I'd take friends to the Blazer games. I'd introduce them to, you know, some famous people and stuff. And I thought pretty highly of myself, full of a lot of pride. And I think I was trying to prove to myself that I was something that I could show my dad, my biological dad, that I'd made it in life. And so um, he didn't really seem to impress because he was trying to become a millionaire. And he was also working eight days a week in a seven-day work week. So I rarely saw my father. I saw him about once a year, once every two years. And meantime, during that whole time, my stepdad and I had a horrible, horrible relationship. Um, not really on his fault, mostly mine, because I was a teenager. But at this point, I met Tracy. And in Medford, um, I got there, and I kept my home in Bend, and I was renting an apartment in Medford. And uh, what happened was my next-door neighbor said they'd gotten to know me, and we had beers together. You know, we were close. And uh, I had conveyed that I was a Christian to him. I don't know how I did that, but somehow I did. And the lady that was our next-door neighbor, her and her husband, she worked with Tracy. And she heard that Tracy was looking for a good Christian man and thought that I would be that guy. So um, two weeks after I moved to Medford, I was fired from my job for trying to start my own company in the cell phone industry while being in the cell phone industry and didn't really understand the conflict of interest there. Um, I was, it was all about me. It was, you know, what's most important for Troy and what can I do to um, make myself the best? And so unfortunately, they were a really neat company I worked for. After two weeks of being there, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't know why I was in Medford. And um, one of my best friends from high school, we were, were like, I mean, he's my best friend other than my best friend right here. Um, Till today, you know, he, uh, he was like a brother of mine in high school. He actually lived with us our senior year of high school. He happened to be living in Medford. And I had disowned him about 10 years prior to that. And I don't want to tell his story, but... Um, he was a brother of mine, and I didn't respect some of the things he'd done in his marriage. And so I'd just written him off, and then God put me together with him here in Medford, of all places. He'd lived all over the world, actually, in the military and fought in Iraq and stuff. And um, he said, Troy, I'm, I'm sure you're going to meet. You need to be here in Medford. You, you know, I know you came here for the job and, and that you're, um, you, know, you lost your job, but I know you're supposed to be here for a reason. And I know that you're supposed to be here because you're going to meet your future wife. You've got to come out to this church with us called Applegate Fellowship Church. Out, out, if you guys, some of you know, they've got this beautiful amphitheater, an outdoor amphitheater out west of uh, Medford in the Applegate Valley. And I'm like, all right, all right, I'll try that. So the week before I met Tracy, I meant, went to a men's retreat, which was pretty interesting com compared to where I'd been the week before that which was drinking and going to Blazer games and all kinds of fun stuff. And I remember taking that friend to Portland in my car. I don't even like talking about the name brand stuff anymore. Um, but I remember taking him to Portland to show off the Blazer tickets. You know, we, had, we were five rows from courtside and, and to show off my car, and I let him even drive it on the way home. And I remember we got home. I'm like, so, I'm pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I've made it, huh? And he's like... No, I'm not very impressed. So um, 
I went to that men's retreat, and I was up there on the mountaintop. And I remember uh, getting taught by John Corson and Peter Corson, his son, and it just started to, something was starting to change inside me, and I didn't know what it was. And that next week, I met Tracy at a, uh, the, the neighbor introduced us, and I, we went to a birthday party uh, for one of their children, and we, that's where we met. And so we were, um, I was introduced as the good Christian man. <laughs> and she had heard that I'd just been to that Bible study, so it sounded pretty good, you know. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here in just a second and get to let Tracy get caught up to this point. Um, you know, we went to church three days a week, and that was our dates for a year. But during that time, we, we were living in sin, so we were trying to juggle both sides, and I was trying to change. I was trying to listen to what they were teaching me. But I had never had a time in my life where I'd never been to a church where they read Scripture, and they read verse by verse and book by book. And I never had a time in my life where I was just couldn't get enough. I don't know if you guys have been there. But, I mean, I could not get enough of what they would teach out of this Bible. And these people just it blew me away. And, I, I mean, I, I was looking for a fourth service that week, you know. I was trying to figure out how to get there more and more. And um, so that's how we met. And I'll let Tracy kind of get us caught up, and then we'll tell you a little bit more about what's happened more recently. Um. I don't even know where to go. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so I guess I'll bring it to why I went from California to Medford. Um, I had graduated high school, and I um, had started going to the junior college there in town, and I began dating a guy and dated for like four years. And after four years, gosh, you should get married. Why not? You know, you, that's what you do. And so we did. Um, and in my mind, I, I was thinking everything is good. We're, we go to church on occasion. We, actually, after I graduated high school, we, I started going to the Calvary Chapel that was down in Monterey. Um, so was, the Baptist church just wasn't doing anything anymore. It was um, not feeding us. And so we had started going there. And then I um, going to school, started dating, and I got him to go every once in a while. And I thought, oh, then he's a Christian. That's good enough, you know. So um, we got married in uh, 1999, and a year later, Anthony, my son, was born, and that was like dream come true. I have always, in my mind, it was, I want to be married, mom, stay home, and take care of my family. That's what, it, that was my goal, um, and so I thought I had it. I thought, hey, this is it, and little did I know that's not what was really going on, and I learned that my um, ex at the time was having an affair and did not want that, and he realized it after the fact, and so he had asked Anthony and I to leave. So I left, and my sister had moved up to Medford with her family and said, hey, why don't you change the scenery, come move up here, and so with the help of family and friends, I was able to move up to Medford. I lived with my sister for a little bit and then got my own place, got a job, and doing the whole single mom life. And I was like, I can do this. This is good. I can do it. And, uh, and then at work, where 
my coworker was his neighbor and talking to her, I was like, yeah, I need a good Christian guy and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And she's like, oh, I know somebody. <laughs> and I was fooled. <laughs> <laughs> I but, knew that uh, was coming. But so, yes, you know, we did begin dating and we were going to church. And, um, but at the same time, he, um, after we dated for a few months, I guess, and then he needed a place and hey we'll move in with me you know happy family and that's what we did and you know it's like you know when something's wrong but yet you you find your reasons to say it's okay it's all right you know hey we're we're good people or you know it, it, this is what needs to be done we're saving money and all this kind of stuff so um we lived together for a while and then a year later after having met is when he proposed and tell him about that real quick Oh, brother. All right. <laughs> I don't even know where the place is called. I All right, I'll help her. It. So. It was pretty. I know that was wonderful. I had, the, I had this ring right here, and I'm really close to my grandparents who have now uh, gone to heaven, and um, they were with us, and my, parent, my mom was with us, and we were at the zoo, and I looked for just the perfect place at the Portland Zoo to propose to her, and I couldn't find there was too many people. And then I went to the Japanese gardens, took her to the Japanese gardens, and it was going to be so romantic at that spot, and there's too many people. <laughs> I was too nervous. <laughs> and so um, I was from Salem, as you know, and I, we went home to Grandpa and Grandma's house, and then I said, hey, let's go for a drive. I showed her where I grew up and went everywhere. We ended up going up to Silver Creek Falls, and uh, we hiked to that main fall, the main one that you guys can think of, that you, the first parking lot. And we hiked down around the waterfall, and I just remember um, walking around the, behind the waterfall, mist hitting you, and, and went down across the bridge, and we were sitting just perfectly in front of the waterfall, and got down on one knee and proposed to my wife, and it was one of the most awesome days of my life. It was really pretty. Yes, it was. Um, <laughs> well, let me finish up. Let me finish my page at least. Golly. <laughs> I was only going to do this part, and then I was... All right, go ahead. So, anyways, <laughs> so got proposed, and then um, we got married in Las Vegas, and that was really fun. Just what I needed, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the time, it made sense. It was a lot of fun. So, um, so yeah, we got married June 14th, 2003, and I made it easy on him because my birthday's June 7th. I figured, hey, you know, let's keep this in order. <laughs> so, um so anyways, we kind of fast forward a little bit. Uh, we have four children. Anthony uh, is our oldest. And January is a busy month for us because his birthday is January 9th. And then we have Andrew, who is March 15th. But then you go back to January because Zachary is January 10th. And our youngest is a daughter, Caitlin's January 8th. So That's we have 8th, 9th, and 10th. 9th, and 10th. And my sister's the 8th. So my sister and my daughter get to share a birthday. So, But... Um, so, so something happens nine months before 8th, 9th, and 10th of January. <laughs> I think it's tax season, isn't it? And then <laughs> so, but... Can I tell them I'm getting saved real quick? Uh-huh. Oh, sure. Go for it. Okay. Real quick, um, at Applegate Church, we went, you know, for tons and tons and tons of times out there. And the summer was getting long, and it was almost over. And, you know, they, they do a altar call at, in that amphitheater, and, like... Every Sunday, 50 people go forward and get saved. I mean, it's just crazy. But I fought it. I fought it for a year. And then finally, one of the last summer days, um, I got up and walked down. And I remember Peter John uh, baptized me. 
and um, it was it was amazing. And and uh, they're singing while you're getting baptized, and and that's really when I finally received Jesus into my heart. And when, but you know, you guys, I put in my notes here. That's really when I punched the clock or punched the ticket, thinking that that I was then gonna get to go to heaven. And that's kind of where my walk kind of stopped for the next quite a while. Let me tell them about this, or do you want to start on this year? I doesn't All right, I'll start, <laughs> since I'm not crying right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in 2006, seven, something like that, uh, we had a home in Bend that we moved back to, and we sold the home. I was really proud of myself because I doubled the amount of money that I had paid for it. You know, what the economy was like back then. And it was the best year I'd ever had in sales. I was the number one sales rep for all the Western United States for U.S. Cellular. Um, we sold our house. We moved, moved out here. And I was actually promoted to um, a government sales rep for Verizon, which was like a big increase in salary. And... I started not being able to just do my job anymore. I suffered from anxiety and panic attacks, and uh, I started not being able to even really function. It's like I had built up all this uh, pride, and it just was finally boiling over, and I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and my, my grandma, who I was really close to, had just passed away. And three weeks into taking the job, I told Tracy, I just can't do this anymore. I can't keep this job. And, you know, she was awesome. She always just stuck by my side. I always said I never had to even think about Tracy because she's been a rock in my life. She was always there no matter what I did, good or bad. And um, I was looking for a church for us to go to and met, uh, well, actually went to the other location for Calvary Chapel. That was about six or seven years ago. And uh, met Pastor Ryan and, and some, of, some of you probably back then. And it just, I was thinking that this looked a lot like what I went to at Applegate. So I was really excited. Um, but this is kind of where the downward spiral would happen. You know, um, <laughs> I've had some of you come up to me and say, I didn't even know some of that stuff was going on in your life. Why, you know, we'd see you at church, but then I didn't know all this other stuff was going on. Um, I started gambling a lot, you know, trying to fulfill that flesh, trying to deal with the angers and all these things, and um, took some of that money, a lot of money, and lost probably $25,000 playing the Oregon Lottery. Um, went through our entire 401k, and we ended up losing our house in 2008. Um, we lost our cars. We lost everything that we had. And then we ended up, luckily, being able to uh, move in with Tracy's parents who at that time were still living in Bend. They hadn't moved out here yet. And that was, they're just awesome in-laws. Um, you know, that father figure that I've always been looking for, I saw that in my father-in-law. And my, my, my mother-in-law treated me, has always treated me like uh, her son. But still just looking and trying to find that father figure to replace what I never had, I just always, you know, struggled with that. Um, we finally had an opportunity to move back here to Primeville. We were just gone for three months, and we're, we're renting a place, and that's actually when I first met Rory. Uh, he and Stuart and others, or maybe it was that group of us, uh, emptied our, all of our furniture up at the house that we live at now, up on the hill. 
And, um, you know, this year, um, moving forward even further, uh, spring break of this, this year, we went to Disneyland. And I'm always trying to impress people, I guess, impress my family and just do big things. So we spent a lot of money and went to Disneyland this year. And I just noticed that we were the happiest place on earth and no one was happy. Um, I noticed that the kids were having fun. I mean, the little ones, they definitely were having fun. Katie loves Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. But they just, there was something telling me that something wasn't right. And then we went on to San Diego and went to SeaWorld and all these things. And I just could see it in Tracy's face that something wasn't right. Then on April 10th of this year, um, I was at a training. I, I don't know if you guys know it, but I was hired as the store manager of the store here in town, the Verizon store. And it was thought it would be great because I could have a job finally here in Prineville. And I was at training in Portland, and I was at this hotel. And it was on April 10th uh, that evening. Went back to the ho hotel room after a day of training, and I just started bawling and fell to my knees. I felt like someone had died in our family, and I didn't know what was going on. And I prayed for two hours straight, just trying to figure out what was going on, and um, finally called Tracy. And I said, Tracy, I just I feel like something's not right with us. I don't know what it is. And I could tell in her reaction that it wasn't a person that had died. It was our marriage that had died. And so it was at that time that um, I was just, blown away. I, I barely made it through the next two days of training. I mean, I was crying all the time. I barely made it through it. Somehow did. I'd come back home and I was having panic attacks at work. I couldn't even stay out in front of customers. I'd go back in the back room and feel like I was going to pass out. I was laying on the floor thinking they, they needed to call 911 and take me to the hospital. Um, just couldn't let, let go of control. And that's what God has really shown me this year, you guys, is um, you know, we really need to put him first in our life. And I think what I was doing a lot of times was worshiping Tracy. Honestly, even though I, I, she'll tell you about some of the things that went on that weren't so good, but even though uh, things weren't so good, I was like worshiping her instead of worshiping God. And um, I tried to speak to Tracy, and it, I've never in my life not been able to sell or persuade somebody to do anything I wanted them to do. And so I tried, I talked to Tracy, we went and met with Rory and Lindsay. I went and talked, actually I broke down crying one day, I was at um, Cougar Cuts getting my hair cut with Erica and luckily she said, you need to go talk to my husband. And they had a men's core group that was meeting that night. So I went to the men's core group that Kevin Vaughn's been leading and. And I just um, broke down crying, trying to tell the story of what was going on. And, and the thing about all of this, to kind of help you guys understand, we were just going to church on Sundays. But we weren't, as a friend of mine was saying, Troy, you just had punched the clock, but you never were walking the walk. You never were walking with the Lord. So, you know, if I could say anything getting saved, just saying that you receive Jesus into your heart isn't enough. Um, I've been learning through this core group with these men that get together that there's a better way to treat your wife. There's a better way to handle finances. There's a way to be in fellowship with other people. And I was afraid to be in fellowship. Here I am, a salesperson, great at talking to people. Everybody thinks I'm really good at talking. 
And I would go to these core groups, and these guys can tell you, uh, Kenny was there, Shelby was there, you know, John was there, you know, a lot of you guys. And I would just, like I was doing earlier, I, I would just bawl and bawl. And finally, I'd get out what was going on, and I'd tell these guys, I said, there isn't a word in the English language that I can say to Tracy that will even get her attention. And I cried out to God. I remember one day up at the house, I was laying out in the field. I went out in the field. We have 28 acres up there, and I was just crying and crying and just praying. And I'm like, Lord, and I was screaming, actually. And I was like, Lord, please help me. Help us. I'm losing this marriage. And um, red hands were pinching me and biting me. It was crazy. And uh, nothing was working, guys. Nothing was working. Um, I, just, I was led by Kevin Vaughn and other men in this church, Rory, um, through text messages, through verses, through coming to church, that I really needed to surrender myself. And I decided to, with the leadership um, in our church, to fast for a week. So one week I just didn't eat anything. And I went from Sunday to Sunday just drinking water. And I prayed every time that I felt the pain and hunger inside of missing Tracy or, or trying to figure things out. And I just surrendered myself to God. And I said, Lord, just, you know, guide me and give me strength. You know, show me what it is that is your will in my life, not what is Troy's will anymore. I'm trying to surrender this control in my life. And I just began to let that melting pot just start to change and change me. And I, I realized, you know, that these fears and the anxieties that I had um, were really because of this control that I was trying to have. And, and really, obviously, we see all these things happen on a weekly basis in, in our lives. Um, you know, I hear about these friends of ours in this church family that are sick, and I hear about all these things happening. Really, we're never in control, are we? Um, it's God that's always in control. And so I'm finally to that point. I just told Kevin the other night, I couldn't make it to Monday night. I was exhausted. Um, I said, um, I finally, after 30 years, told my stepdad that I loved him and that, I'm, that I was sorry for not being a good son. And I'm, I'm finally just releasing all these things and finally just letting God guide me in my life. And um, I just prayed and I asked Tracy, please give me a chance. I really have changed. And I asked um, every leader in the church, and probably I spread our news too much, and I'll apologize in front of everybody and my wife for telling maybe too much of our, our own stuff that was going on. But my intentions were good. My intentions were to get as many people praying for us as we possibly could to help us. And um, Tracy moved in with her parents. And I was at the house, and um, she kept telling me she was going to move to California and take Anthony to California. And I'll let her tell you kind of from her side what happened. Um, so... Just a little backpedaling. Um, I my own personality is where I I've never been one to speak up or rock the boat. I want everyone happy. I'm a pleaser. I want everyone to think that everything is good and okay. And growing up, being the youngest, I've always I was very insecure, and I always felt that. Um, 
people were my friends because of my brother and my sister, or that why would someone like me? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and uh, just once, just with everything, you know, the first, my first divorce and just how it happened, it just, it was just an echo of that. I'm like, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. And, uh, and I just, it was always about like me though. It was always about what, just, I always felt it was just me though. Um, if that makes sense. I wasn't looking at it as God loves me or I'm good enough for him. I never saw that. There was never um, a real relationship there, even though I thought there was. I always did the right stuff. I never got in trouble. I never, I was a good girl, you know, and um, made stupid mistakes here and there, but I figured it was okay. Um, and then after we got married and just as life went on, I never spoke up to him. And like he said, he is the complete salesman and I would just always go along with anything he said and just, it's okay. Um, so there was a l huge lack of communication because he did all the talking. Um, and with just everything, the constant job changing, gambling, um, he had a lot of anger in him and was very harsh, um, abusive with his words. And I saw a lot of fear in Anthony. Um, and so that really got to me because um, Anthony got a lot of a brunt of all of that. And it was really hard. And so just over time of feeling unloved and unwanted and just that I was not good for anything other than taking care of my kids um, and you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, that's all I felt I was good for. And in that time, I prayed my heart out. I was praying to God, just, Lord, change him, change him. So I thought that was the answer, change him. And, and then that wasn't working, so I said, okay, well, change me. Maybe it's me, maybe it's me. And I was praying and praying, and then finally I felt like nothing was happening. I just gave up. I completely gave up on us, on having the family that I wanted. I, um, I reached out to to where I thought I could get loved and, and, and feel accepted and wanted and, and beautiful and everything. And, and, uh, and, and that did not help um, reaching out to an old friend and on Facebook of all places and, you know, talking and things lead to another. And, and I thought I, excused it because I figured it's making me feel better. It's okay. He's doing his things. It's, you know, I excused it and, and it was inexcusable. But once Troy called me and told me his, he had this revelation that something was wrong and he wanted to change and make things right. And I told him, I'm sorry, it's too late. I said, I do not love you. And that was the hardest thing to say, because I don't say much. Um, 
but to tell him that I did not love him anymore and I was done. There was nothing he could do to change my mind. I said, there's nothing. I wanted just nothing. My heart was so hard. And it's like, I know what God's word says. I know it's in the Bible. I know right from wrong. And I did not care anymore. I was done at that point. I wanted nothing. I was tired of being hurt. I was tired of feeling the way I felt. I didn't want any part of it anymore. And I even gone to the courthouse and got divorce papers and filled them out. I was that, I was ready to just walk away. I was going to take kids. I had it all figured out in my head. I was like, I did it before on my own. I can do it again. And, and I just knew I could do it. Um, even I didn't want to come to church anymore because I knew he was talking to people and I was embarrassed and ashamed that people knew what was going on in our life. You know, it was like, oh gosh, everybody thought we were perfect or everything was good and now people know the truth. Um, and I, I was embarrassed for that. I was very prideful. So I just closed up. I, was, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I know people reached out to me and I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to have it. I was, I was just in a bad place, really. And... Uh, the, the weird thing is, on a Saturday night, we were having one of our talks, and, and I was just like, no, I'm not going to church. I'm done. It's like, I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. There's nothing you can say to change my mind. I am completely over you. Had about 1,500 people praying by then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that I knew of. And, and then the strange thing was, the very next morning, I got up. And I just started getting ready. I started getting the kids all ready. And I said, we're going to church. And I was like, I don't know where that came from because it was so not me. Because I was like, I am not having it. I was done with church. Um, I was done with people. I was just, I, I had my limit of it. I was tired of hearing, you know, about everything. And... Um, that's when it started. My heart, I think, just started softening. Um, but even so, the very next day, I was like, hey, were you surprised? I said, let's go to church. And he was like, yeah. And we actually had a super day. It was a really nice day. But even at that point, I told him, I said, I'll probably stay. I'm not going to move. I'll stay because I lasted 10 years. What's another 10? And that was my point of view. I was like, I'm staying for the kids. I don't want to, you know, screw their life up and and I was so, it was like, I was slowly changing, but not a complete change at all. And, um, and then that Sunday when we went to church, Rory's study was on Romans 8, verses 15 through 30. And in a nutshell, basically, it says, God, God brings joy amongst sadness, hurt, and trials. And I remember that, and I was thinking, yeah, that's true, Okay okay, you know, I know that God can work things for good. I'll be open to it. And then once I got here and people just started embracing me, and I was like, they're not judging me. No one's, they don't care what happened. They want us to work things out and to move forward and to, to be better. And, and so now it's just like because I've opened myself up to that, and surrounding ourselves with people who care about us and are praying for us and being involved in the home groups and coming to church. Because we started coming to Calvary, and 
I would want to go and he would not want to go. He never wanted to be involved with groups or do anything. And so I got tired of asking and telling no. And and sometimes I'd do it myself and then it was easier sometimes just to not do it at all if he wasn't going to be a part of it. And so it's been a complete change. Um, I just know that I now have to put my relationship with Christ before any relationship because he loves me for me. Um, And once that is good, then everything else will fall into place. Um, And one final verse that I'll just kind of leave you with because... I don't know what the future holds. All I know is that we're doing much better, and it's been like a 180, I guess, from where we were just a few months ago, believe it or not. Um, But God is good, and God is great, and he will make what looks horrible bring us through it and make it for the better, and I trust in that now. I'm learning not to give up because I prayed that prayer for I don't know how many years. And at the point he answered it, I gave up. I said I was done. I didn't, I didn't let him do it. But um, anyways, my Bible verse that I like, that I stick with, if I can say it without screeching, okay. is um, it's from Psalm 30, verses 10 through 12. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I would give you thanks forever. So God has obviously done some amazing things in our life. Um, Tracy was in California at one point, and I was here, and the guys and I were praying and didn't know how things were going to turn out. And now um, a typical week for us is uh, me plugging in with the men's core group, which if any of you men or women haven't gotten in a core group, I highly recommend it. Um, it's a place that's safe. It's a place that you can you know, talk about the things that you feel ashamed about. It's a place that you can grow. And I've found some brothers that I truly love. And... Uh, you know, it's it's a group of people that you can, um, within this church, just count on all the time. And then in addition to that, we've plugged into, you know, a Wednesday night group like this um, at the Vaughn's house. And, you know, I actually enjoy fellowship now, where I used to just avoid it. And I think that's the enemy. You know, obviously the enemy wants to separate us. And, you know, even when I had no idea how things were going to turn out, I finally got to the point where I told Tracy one day, I said, um, I fear God more than I fear you. And I said, uh, so make whatever decision you're going to make. But as, as for me, I'm going to follow the Lord. And I'm going to trust him with all my heart when nothing makes sense. And I just, you know, I encourage you guys, if, you, if you're in a place where you, if something doesn't make sense to you, trust in the Lord with all your heart and praise him. Because it's been an amazing, amazing year. And to my children, I mean, Anthony's right here. Uh, He's seen this, gone through this. Um, I love you, Anthony. Um, This has been just a time where we can go on a weekly date 
we go on a date now every week. I bring her flowers once in a while. <laughs> um, but I get up in the morning, and, you know, another thing we didn't say is I was unemployed for about three months this summer and didn't know how we were going to make it. We got down to the last few dollars, and some people in this church came together and helped us out. And um, I just recently got hired uh, at a job that's going to pay the bills over in Redmond. It's in a call center, and I'm really happy about that. I'm in training now. I work four days a week, and then that gives 10-hour days, and that gives me three days off. And then I've also decided to go back to college, and I just finished my first class, and I'm going to finish my Bachelor's of Arts in Health and Informatics, which is the healthcare and technology industry. And so now we're really getting focused in our lives. Um, the reason I did this tonight wasn't because I thought I could. I just did it because I wanted to be obedient to God. Um, think of how many tears we cried for the Barretts and um, how much fasting went on for the Barretts and, you know, just like tons of text messages and tons of prayer meetings and, and um, we just praise God and rejoice in what he's done in you guys. And, you know, um, without the trials, I don't think we'd be as close as we were, are with you guys now. So, amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you guys for sharing your testimonies tonight and you guys feel free to hang out in fellowship as long as you want, and uh, Lord bless you.